Howdy partners, welcome to this week's uh, NorwichCityPinkin.com podcast. Given the curtains have fallen on that dismal Premier League campaign, we probably expected um, for a little bit of a gap in terms of a podcast before we could bring you the next one, but it's still been a very, very busy week in the Norwich City sphere. We're going to talk all things Mark Atanasio and uh, Stuart Webber as well, who of course did that interview, which has been a little bit lost in the events of the last few days. I'll apologise in advance and say that the excitement of the last few days means my voice is leaving me a little bit. I've got a Lemsip in hand and I'm hoping that uh, I'll make it through this pod, but that's why I'm going to leave it up to Paddy Davitt and Adam Harvey to do the majority of the talking on this week's show. So if we start with you, Pad, it's um, it's been a quite old week, hasn't it, for Norwich City? You said you were going to wear a Stetson, Connor. I don't see it on your head, which doesn't really work on an audio podcast, but there you go. No? No comeback. I'm, I'm I'm feeling delicate enough about wearing a hat, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been uh, well. Yeah, I mean, I, as we said, just to paint the picture. Obviously, I'm sure everybody is now well aware that um, uh, it was the Pinkin which broke that story uh, on Friday afternoon last. Um, but maybe what people aren't aware of was we were all happened to be in the same room. Um, on a strategy day, really, which is essentially where we kind of take a stock take of all our content um, from last season across all our platforms and, and kind of then throw it forward to next season, what we could maybe do better. Plenty. I can hear now people shouting at their radios or whatever down their smartphones, but uh, and and essentially just um, locking ourselves in a room and trying to kick ideas about. So, you know, we were happened to be all in the same space, which was why it made it even more surreal. The events kind of then Friday afternoon, really. Um, you know, we'd obviously been working on that story for a number of days, uh, pulling various strands together. We had Paul Chesterton's um, superb picture of uh, Mr. Atanasio, his two sons, Richard Resler, another long-term friend, financier, and then three of the Brewers' um, top exec team all sat in a line, Bookended by Anthony Rickens, City's finance director, and at the other end, Zoe Ward, executive director. Um, so you could call that the smoking gun, essentially. But, um, you know, around that, we had to wrap who are these people? What are they? Why are they sat here in uh, little old Norfolk watching Norwich and uh, Tottenham Hotspur, as it was in the Premier League? And when we felt ready to go with that, um, then all hell broke loose on Friday. So, yeah, no, it was... Uh, there's a book in that, but we'll, we'll keep that up our sleeves uh, for a suitable juncture. But um, suffice to say, yeah, it hasn't been the the, the most re- relaxing end to the post end to the season I can remember, and I've, and I've done a few of these. It, there is normally a law. You're right. I mean, you've started to see various social media accounts of footballers on holidays, um, and what tends to happen is that football in general takes a break. Um, until, you know, certainly the transfer window maybe opens, which is next month now, very shortly, and then beyond that pre-season. But uh, no, it, this is uh, this is really, as you say, the hors d'oeuvre being Stuart Webber's uh, club interview on the Thursday afternoon, lest we forget, uh, followed by that story on the Friday afternoon. It's been, uh, yeah, manic and, uh, you know, really interesting to see on the US side of it how, how this develops now, you know. Um, I mean, we'll probably drill down into it, but essentially where we are now... Uh, you know, just to, to bullet point it is that we have a group of potential and we keep using the words like potential and possible uh, investors in discussions with Norwich City, senior execs at Norwich City. Um, they visit Garrow, they visit Colney, there's one or two other uh, locations we believe they've been at as well. So 
essentially then it's why are they there, what's going on. And, um, you know, there's no doubt uh, there are some high-level talks at an increasingly advanced stage about potential shareholding. Now, what that looks like, is that on the takeover spectrum and Delia and Michael stepping aside completely? Or is it, as the soundings we have sort of seem to suggest, maybe a, certainly the start of a longer-lasting partnership, which may, if you look at clubs like Leeds and um, Arsenal, to, to name but two, lead to potentially the US investors taking a, a, a front seat role as opposed to a back seat role. So, you know, really intriguing. So many strands to this, but fundamentally, um, as it's been received, I think by most Norwich fans, a very exciting development. And, you know, to, to tie the two episodes together, Stuart Webber did tease within two to three weeks an exciting slash surprising announcement. Um Let's hope that is related to uh, US investment, because if it is, then I think that would very much fall into the exciting and surprising. And then, then if it's all confirmed, it's over the line and we move forward. A really exciting new chapter in the history of Norwich City Football Club. Yeah, I fear breaking that story is is, is actually broken me a little bit as well and broken my voice a little bit. So uh, this this feels like um, almost like the come down after last week, which was, as you say, very manic, very frantic. Uh, we we did eventually get it over the line. Thank goodness for that. Um, and yeah, I've seen some some wild conspiracy theories about the timing of it all. That that literally was just just when it um, all pieced together and we were ready, as you say, to push push the button on it. It was, it was no relation to um, the the Stuart Weber interview, for example. As I've, uh, as I've seen imply, we were actually working on this long before that dropped, and probably news of that dropped as well. So um, it's something that we've had up our sleeve for for a little while. And and like you say, Pad, it was um, it was an interesting week piecing it all together and and answering that, some of those questions that that you put um you put forward there and and I mean I've got the picture in front of me I'll I'll run through who's in that picture in case you have missed it so um this is from left to right Anthony Richens obviously Norwich City's financial director you've then got uh, Mark Atanasio who's the principal owner and chairman of the Brewers you've got his son Mike Uh, he is um uh, well Richard Resler is sandwiched in between his his sons essentially um Richard Resler is uh, on the advisory board of the bro of the Brewers co-founder of the CMI group as well long-standing business partner there's a really good piece on um the pink and plus app about their kind of 40-year relationship introducing uh, I think Richard introduced Mark to his wife and and there's various other strands to that. Really good read. Um, check that out. Uh, Dan uh, as well. Uh, David Stearns, who is almost like, from what I can gather, I'm not a massive baseball fan. By massive, I say I know nothing about baseball whatsoever. Um, he is almost the, the Stuart Webber equivalent of what we can we, we can figure out. He's head of baseball operations. You've then got Dan uh, Fumai, who's the chief financial officer, and then Rick uh, Sheslinger, who's the president of business operations. And then you've got Zoe Ward um, on the end of that. So so that was the, the party, the Magnificent Seven, some might say, Adam. I mean, this is a, a really interesting story that's come at a very interesting time for Norwich because um, as Paddy spoke to Kieran Maguire yesterday, football finance expert, and again, you can watch and read that um, that chat on all of our channels, actually relegation might have made Norwich City more attractive to investors, in this case, American investors, rather than maybe if they'd have been in the Premier League because of the drop in value. Yeah, exactly that. Um, Kieran alluded to it yesterday that Norwich City shares now are more attractive to a, to a buyer because they're you know, obviously effectively not being priced at a Premier League price, they're, they're a championship price. And a lot of these Americans are now interested in the English game, the opportunities to, to get themselves into the Premier League. And obviously we all know that the background of Mark Atanasio is is very much buying and selling the club in the future for 
for more value than what he's bought it for. And obviously, if he can get Norwich in the Premier League and, and stabilise them there, then there's definitely an opportunity, particularly with the growth of, obviously, the broadcasting rights that we imagine will come in in, in the future. Obviously, more the overseas rights as opposed to the domestic ones, obviously, the likes of Netflix and that are going to have an interest. And obviously, that's quite pertinent in the fact that he is an American investor. I mean, I was looking a little while ago, eight Premier League teams now have American owners or investors in their, in their squad. That's uh, Arsenal, Aston Villa... Crystal Palace, Fulham, Leeds, Liverpool, Manchester United and obviously Chelsea within the last 24 hours. So, you know, there's definitely a, a growing kind of in the English game of American investors. And obviously a lot of those clubs are quite successful. And obviously the teams like Crystal Palace and and even the likes of Leeds have now started to sort of slowly stabilise themselves into the Premier League. And obviously that's ultimately the target of Norwich. And most fans are now slightly getting fed up with this yo-yo in between divisions and I think this frustration of maybe lack of investment and the, the self-funded model has, has been quite a topical kind of conversation amongst fans and they just want to see their team compete in the Premier League and I feel like in the long term this um, exciting and well probably quite surprising news if it gets over the line could be an opportunity that Norwich actually can go and do that. You, you've accidentally said surprising and exciting there which chimes with Stuart Webber's announcement which is uh, which is brilliant. Um, Pad, I mean, uh, the, I'll come on to what you spoke about with Kieran Maguire, but there was a really good piece I wanted to reference by um, by Gary Field on on my football writer who wrote about shares and um, the logistics and maybe what any kind of investment would look like from obviously a full scale takeover, which is worth stressing. We we don't think is happening at this stage. Um, to maybe um, an Atanasio, his 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 group as well, and he he sort of co-owns um the the brewers so that there's quite a few richard resler who was at carrow being one of those but there's this idea that the club can um, offer new shares to people then and that would offer a cash injection into the club wouldn't it straight away rather than say him coming in and buying out some of the current shareholders which would just essentially mean money changing hands so if we're looking at investment and injecting um coffers immediately into into Norwich city then it would be probably makes sense for it to, to be the, the kind of new shares line rather than buying out Michael Folger, buying out Delia and Michael, for example. That that would seem to be the mechanical um, way that we who, who aren't finance experts look at it and, and you look at it and say that makes probably the most sense in the current situation if they're not going for a full-scale takeover, which again, uh, we must stress, doesn't look to be the case. Absolutely. I mean, two things. Yeah, that would chime with, you know, you never have the sense because I'm sure if, if they if dealer and Michael per se, rather than Michael Forger as as as, as the major shareholding union, uh, for want of a better word, you know Norwich at various periods in recent times, certainly since they got to the Premier League two seasons ago, they could have actively sold this football club. There's no doubt about it. If they'd have wanted to do that uh, and were driven by financial. Um, incentives. They could have made tens and tens and tens of millions of pounds. And whatever you think of them, whatever you feel the limitations of a, a self-funded model, that's not why they're involved in Norwich. That's not why they got into Norwich originally. That's not why they brought up 25 years worth of boardroom uh, longevity in the last season. You know, this idea that they would that they're looking to make a book, uh, which is a pertinent term, maybe talking with the US in mind, but. Uh, it's detached from reality. You know, they, they as they always say, they're custodians. They don't, they don't like the term owners. They don't like the term term top brass or hierarchy. They see themselves as not distinct, but part of the community, part of the fan base who all rally behind Norwich City Football Club. They just happen to be, 
you know, in positions of, of influence um, and shaping the direction of travel, you know. But fundamentally, they are fans and they are passionate about ensuring what comes next is right for Norwich City, is right for that fan base, is right in the sh- not only the short and but the medium and long term. That there is, as Weber himself said in that interview on, on last Thursday, you know, there is a club that in, in 20 years' time, maybe he comes back here with his with his boy now and, and they can be proud of their part in what Norwich is and always will be, you know, which is a community-founded football club. So for me, I don't think there's any prospect that that of those scenarios you painted in terms of, you know, and I've actually just found the Kieran Maguire quote who is, let's be honest, the Don of football finance. If you want to speak to anybody in the game about Kieran Maguire and, 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 well, sorry about football finance uh, in general, he is the man. I mean, I'll let, I'll let you into a, a little anecdote. You told me before we press record on that interview that this is the level of person he speaks to in the game. Uh, when the Super League uh, thing blew up, um, you know, earlier in the season. And uh, you can imagine he's, his services and his expertise and insight were very much in demand. Um, he said he basically, his wife came to him about Thursday of that week and said, I'm seeing more of you on the television than I am uh, actually over the dinner table. So tonight you, we will be eating whatever and that phone will be staying <laughs> firmly away. And of course, what happens, I think, as the, as the plates were about to be brought to the table, his phone goes... Gordon Brown, former Prime Minister, who's basically wanted an hour's worth of his time because he was appearing in front of some sort of parliamentary committee the following day, I think connected to the Super League. Um, and as Maguire said, he put the phone on on loudspeaker and his wife couldn't believe it that it was Gordon Brown down the other end of the phone. So this is the level of guy who, if you haven't already consumed that video, please get yourself across to the Pink and Video channels. Um, and there is tremendous insight to be had. But long-winded way of getting round to this very specific point about, and I'll read directly verbatim what he said, Maguire mapped out two paths to potential new investment at Carra Road. Quote, you can buy all or a proportion of the shares from the existing shareholders. There's no advantage to the club in that because that's cash changing hands between individuals. And that is where I'm coming from. I don't see Michael and Delia essentially wanting to walk off into the sunset with wallets stuffed, stuffed with dollar bills. That's not what they're about. They haven't been about that at any point in the last 25 years. So I don't see that scenario paying out. The second way, said Maguire, is for the club itself to issue shares, which is this point, as you say, raised by um, Gary Field. um, And a very good piece that was too. And certainly within Norwich's own constitution, says Maguire, that is feasible. Then the cash is injected into the club. And then he goes on to say that when I said, well, is, is that something you've heard in terms of a, a template happening elsewhere? He actually came back at me with, Leeds, basically. If we take a look at what we've seen with Leeds United, they've had the San Francisco 49ers, very well-known NFL uh, club, take a similar approach. They bought some shares initially from the owner, Radzani, I think his name is, and they've invested cash to top that up as well. And then just to add to that story, having done a little bit of research, I think there are agreements in place that they can eventually buy up all the existing shares uh, and Ellen Road as well, so that the point is reached in, I think, 2024, I saw as... As the, as the deadline for that, that they would then become the sole owners of Leeds United, lock, stock and barrel, having done that in a very incremental, um, collegiate, collaborative approach. So the precedent is there. Norwich, as we know, both through that uh, Gary Field piece and more broadly, um, are able to issue that share capital. Um, and that is clearly a vehicle, I'm sure, as Maguire said, there's some very astute people in Norwich's finance team. They'll be aware of all the potential scenarios and they will... I am, adamant being discussed with Atanasio and his team 
um, to see where is the common ground. And uh, yeah, for me, I, everything we're hearing, the sense you get, um, the characters involved on both sides of this lead you to think that this won't be a, a changing of the guard and and, uh, and a major takeover at this stage. I think it's going to be far more, if it comes to pass with that caveat, it's going to be far more of a moving forward together and then with the right framework in place that potentially there is a succession from the current owners to maybe Atanasio and his team in the future. Um, but, you know, there's no doubt about it. You know, if you, if you go and watch that Kieran Maguire piece, um, and as Adam rightly touched on earlier, you know, US investment and English football are now entwined um, very much so, and that is only going to continue. So, uh, you know, it's no surprise in that context that a club like Norwich City uh, would be attractive to a potential US investor. Yeah, and more so when, as we have done in the last week or, or so, um, when you dig into Mark Atanasio and uh, and his values and what he's done in the Brewers, he he, he obviously bought them in in two thousand and four for for two hundred and twenty three million dollars. I think it, it was then a significant amount of money. Um, the the latest reports are they're, they're now worth um, over a billion pounds. So that goes to show the growth and the progression that he's overseen. But Adam, there's a really interesting thing that you, that you tweeted the other day, but that we kind of picked up on. Um, last week as well uh, in in kind of the process of uncovering and and breaking this story about his values and what he wants from uh, in in that instance obviously a baseball team but actually you compare it to how Delia and Michael have operated in the last 25 years and there's plenty of common ground and you can understand why he someone who clearly wants to develop in the long term he has a lot of staff members who um, have worked with him for a significant period of time he's grown that club over a, a significant period of time not absolutely splashing the cash in the in the way that maybe this conversation would be if we were talking about Chelsea, for example, but gradual progression, investing in good people, but also retaining a community focus. That all sounds very similar to the club that we're talking about at the moment that's just dropped out of the Premier League. I think that's probably the clearest parallels between, you know, Mark Atanasio and, and Dina and Michael. And I think that's probably the most important thing that Norwich City retain is that community feel. They are obviously a family club and, and some people don't like that tag, but I think it's quite an important thing that in the community you've got somewhere where everyone has a shared value and obviously Norwich City, everyone supports them and backs them and, and wants them to do very, very well. And obviously the values of, well, Mark Atanasio's um, baseball team, you know, a competitive team is something that most Norwich City fans feel maybe we haven't had in the Premier League. And I think if he can bring that to to Norwich and, and Norwich can retain themselves in the Premier League for for many a season and I think most fans would probably feel that that is a step forward obviously because a lot of people are starting to get frustrated with the yo-yo tag but I think probably the most important things is the sort of delivering a really good fan experience I mean a lot of these bigger clubs now sort of have these fan parks outside the stadium before a match day where all the fans can go and, and sort of congregate and, and sort of, well effectively give their sort of views on the game and, and communicate with other fans and obviously that to me, is quite an important thing that maybe Norwich don't have at the moment, that opportunity to network with other fans and, and share views. And I think if Norwich can do that, then that probably ties into one of the other bullet points on his shared values, and that's being a leader in the community. I think that's an opportunity to maybe also raise funds for the likes of the CSF, which I think will be quite important and probably something he needs to promote when he comes over here and, and gets his opportunity to maybe invest in Norwich City and obviously build on the work of the CSF and, and the Nest. Obviously, I think we obviously believe that he's been up there as well. And obviously that's a pretty 
attractive site for him to go and look at because that's obviously a really good setup up there. And, and Norwich obviously have the women's team now that play up there, and a lot of the work they do with sort of the you know the people that have disabilities and, and maybe aren't let, well a little bit less well off than other people in the community. So I think if they can build on that as well, then that's another major sort of you know pretty big sort of thing to to build from and obviously as well I think the organization in terms of in the actual club I think that they, they want to try and make it an, an attractive place to work and maybe bring more job opportunities and I think that again is only another positive for the area of Norwich so if you can sort of maintain those values bring them over and effectively add those to what dealer and Michael already have and and just build off that then I think that's definitely something that's pretty positive for for Norwich going forward. Yeah, and as as you say there, Adam, and as as, as Pad said earlier on, we, we're led to believe that they they were at the nest on on Sunday. They certainly visited Colney as well while they were over here. So that's um, that's a suggestion that they visited. Obviously, the the two main club sites, but also the uh, the community um, focus as well. Obviously, that's led by the the Community Sports Foundation, who do a wonderful job uh, at the nest, but also more widely in the community. So at least there is a, a suggestion of a willingness to 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 get involved with that. Of course, if any deal could be. Uh, could be pulled over the line. I think it's, I, I've seen a few people say, so I'm not fully taking credit for this pad, but I've seen a few people say, given the, the maybe the EFL's um, owners and directors test, um, when, when obviously a club hopes to add directors to its board, isn't, isn't the most rigorous process in the world, given some of the characters that have, uh, that have squirmed their way into English football and, and not made a success of it and ruined football clubs. Delia and Michael, 25 years of experience. They, they know, uh, and I'm sure they have been approached several times by people who are chancers, who maybe don't fit the value of the clubs or have ambitions that maybe don't sit well with with their core values or the, or, or the core values of the club. So many people are saying, many supporters are saying, it has got to a stage where you've got seven of them lined up in the in the director's box, including obviously a multimillionaire who I'm sure is wealthy enough that he didn't need to make that trip um, if he if he didn't want to. That probably suggests that they're happy, they're content with the type of characters and the type of personalities that are potentially going to become investment partners at Norwich City. And ultimately, that that has to go a long way in this process because, you know, to reprise what we just said earlier, you know, they are the majority shareholders. It would, it would need their buy-in completely um, to this process to move forward, whatever shape that takes. And, and so much of... You know, so much of how they carry themselves, I always think, uh, observing from a slight distance, is is the personal relationships, is the human element with them. You know, they aren't they aren't distant. You know, you see them there on a match day, you see them on tours. You know, the last tour we went on, they're, they're sat at the side of the pitch in their deck chairs, almost like just, uh, you know, uh, uh, choose my words, kind of, you know, uh, just interested in football. And there was a game there and they just sat down and decided they'd watch it. You know, they're, they're, they're just people persons essentially and um you know that connection i think would matter hugely to them yes you've got executives uh at norwich who, who can drill down into the the, the nitty-gritty of how a deal could be put together and the, the financial element the legal element kieran Maguire talking about you know you don't want to go down the path of burnley would seem to have gone down where they've had a lot of debt loaded onto the club and all the pitfalls that come with that you know all of that there are people both inside Norwich City and I'm sure plenty of legal advice they can consult to 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 get to a, a common ground with their American counterparts. But so many, I'd, I'd imagine so much of this is the vibe that Delia and Michael get from a Mark Atanasio, a Richard Resler, if they're the two leading lights in this 
potential investment vehicle. And um, and and if there is, as Adam rightly mapped out, uh, that shared belief in what a sporting entity can do for a community, you know, that it's there for the community, it's part of the community. It wants people in the community to feel invested in their club, baseball club, football club, to be proud of it, um, to be proud of their area. You know, Dealer and Michael are very passionate about Norwich and Norfolk as an area and, and standing up for that. Um, and that it, clearly there does seem to be a lot of synergy between how those respective owners maybe run their respective organisations. Um, but, you know, I thought it was quite telling that Wise's two sons there as well, you know, the, the family element. We know how much... Delia and Michael talk about Norwich being a family club and, and and feeling part of a family and feeling part of a community. She talked again about that recently, how much the pandemic brought that home when fans were, were not allowed in, into the stadiums, how, how disconnected people felt. And, and then when they were allowed in, initially in those 2000 sort of capped games, that iconic moment where I think it was Sheffield Wednesday, the first game where fans were allowed back and they her and Michael strode over to the South Sand where those fans were situated and just had a moment just a connection with that fan group who were very, very fortunate to be in the ground that day after a, a, a lengthy period where everybody was having to consume it remotely if you were if you were an Orange City fan. Um, so for him to have his sons over as well, again, I'm not saying there was any kind of, you know, design to that, but if that's, you know, he's a family man and, and family means so much to him. And, you know, I'm sure you've, you've probably seen, we've done a few profile pieces as well and, there's a clip on YouTube about the sons singing, the, which is a tradition, I believe, singing the US anthem prior to the baseball games. And and their granddad did it for the Brewers for 10 years before he passed away. I think it was 2015. And and the next game thereafter, I think, his passing, his two sons took to the microphone, full stadium, um, belting out the national anthem. And behind them are his dad, Mike, Mark Atanasio, his mother, you assume. I think there was a daughter there as well. You know, they're clearly a very tight-knit family. And and all of these things matter. You, you may think, well, what's that got to do with how much he's got in his bank account and, and how much he's willing to invest in Norwich? Yes, of course, all those elements need to be right. But the human element, I think, to Delia and Michael particularly, would matter exponentially more so than, you know, if this was just a transactional arrangement between a, a US investor and an English football club. So all of that goes into the sense that this is moving and it's moving in a positive direction. Absolutely that. And and like you say, the, there will be a generation of, of fans who don't know what Norwich City looked like without Dealer and, uh, and Michael. I mean, they, they've owned Norwich City throughout my lifetime, for for example, um, throughout yours as, uh, as well, Adam. So, I mean, there's, there, there's plenty to kind of look at. But I think many people are saying that even if this deal now doesn't get done for one reason or another, and we know how complex and intricate uh, investment talks can be and how fragile they can be as well they can they can fall apart pretty quickly but equally they can get they can get done pretty quickly and um, I was looking actually last night I think it was there's a, a brilliant thread on Twitter by Mark Foster who's an Norwich fan but also a big um, baseball fan who, who said that actually there was there was a similar report uh, as to ours um, that emerged when he was in the process of buying the Brewers uh, and by the end of the month he was he was their new owner basically so it doesn't seem like he's he's going to be scared off necessarily by the fact that it's it, it's come out in, into the public domain. But um, the fact that it's got this far again, as we as we say, is is probably an indication that there is a little bit of optimism, maybe about about how it can go. But Adam, looking at it from from the longer picture, I mean, we, we've kind of teased around this 
this self-funding argument, which has persisted at Norwich City, certainly for, for the last decade now that I can remember. Maybe it's it's ramped up more recently in the last five years, as you, you say, there's more of a, a an American influence in the game and there, there are more wealthy people getting involved with football clubs at this moment in time. It does feel like there has always been this kind of, well, Norwich City do it this way because they have to and because they, they want to and because Delia and Michael, as, as we said, have their core values. But it's, it's interesting the whole timing of it, the fact they have just dropped out of the Premier League again. It comes, uh, or our report obviously came out 24 hours after Stuart Webber's interview where he spoke about the, not frustrations, but certainly the, the, the constraints that Norwich City operate in from a financial perspective. There'll be a lot of people looking at this as we speak and asking, what it means for Norwich City in the Premier League, not what it means for the Championship, because with parachute payments and the position that they're in, they're already in a pretty strong financial position in the Championship. We've spoken on this podcast before, where if they go in this um, summer for a, for a player alongside a raft of Championship clubs, they are probably in a healthy enough financial position to present a package that is pretty pretty appealing for a player. In the Premier League, that isn't the case. Does this investment and what it potentially could be, as we've spoken about cautiously, offer some optimism to perhaps the end of this yo-yo cycle, but for the better, for Norwich City staying in the Premier League? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Norwich ultimately should have an element of pride for the way they've done it for years on end. I think they've ultimately punched above their weight. I mean, no other team, there's a lot of teams in that championship mix that have pumped in a lot more money than Norwich City and have failed to to get to the Premier League. And, you know, whether fans like it or not, Norwich have been in the Premier League quite a number of times. Obviously, that is ultimately comes back to the relegation element as well. They have been relegated many times and it is that yo-yo tag which frustrates fans and I get that. I mean, I've had the frustration as well. Many a time I've been down the pub with my mates and they say, you know, Delia and Michael aren't interested in the club. They don't invest in the club, but effectively they don't have the element of money that someone like a Mark Atanasio has to to put in the, in the club. I think if they had that element of wealth, they would be pumping it in because they love Norwich City as much as anyone else in the community that's a Norwich City fan. So, this just gives Norwich City new opportunities. It's it's a chance to maybe get rid of that stigma that they can't compete in the Premier League. You know, there's a lot of media outlets that hit Norwich City early last season saying, you know, they're going to go straight back down. There's no investment. There's no maybe an interest to try and stay in the Premier League. They just want to take their parachute money and, and go straight back down to the Championship. And I think that is frustrating. You know, I want to see Norwich City compete in the Premier League. This season's been quite difficult, you know, seeing them get beat 5-0, 4-0, 3-0 by teams which in the past Norwich have competed with. So I think if Norwich can get themselves in a situation where they get back to the Premier League, they invest in the right areas, they continue to grow Colney. I think that's quite an important element. You know, that's something Stuart Webber, whether you know fans like him or not, has done very successfully as he's made Colney an attractive place now for players that maybe come to Norwich that maybe are in a slightly higher profile category to to feel like this is a good workplace for me and this is somewhere I want to train and I want to be on a daily basis. So I think if Norwich can get the investment there and, and they can maybe go and put themselves in a different pond of, of players maybe in the future where they can pick out slightly better talents and, and bring them to Colney and say, look, this is where you're going to be working. We have this sort of you know aim and objective to stay in the Premier League and sustain ourselves there. I think under Mark Atanasio with the values he has that kind of align to Delia and Michael, that to me signals quite a positive future. Obviously, there has been other clubs that have gone down similar pathways and, and maybe they've failed, but I don't think they've maybe had that shared values element and Norwich obviously are clear that this is going to be something that's going to benefit the community. The community and the fan base is going to be sort of the, the major focus and the sole focus of, of this deal. So 
to me, very positive, and I feel like this is an opportunity now that if Norwich can get themselves back in the Premier League and and maybe under Mark Asanasio with a bit more money in their back pocket, that maybe they can go and compete, and and that could be yeah positive for the future. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's going to be uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how this develops in in the weeks or months as it may pan out. Um, we, we'll obviously see. I think there's obviously been a a lot of connection to that timeline that Stuart Weber put on on, on matters, um, whether he was talking about this or not. We don't know solely. We uh, again, it, it's going to be. I think uh, forget the short term. I think the long term is is going to be pretty interesting as well. As Adam um, said, there, there's more plans to to kind of add to to what they've got at Colney already. There's from what we understand, um, uh, they're looking into how they can how they can develop the city stand as well. All these things require investment and and extra money, and it's, it's difficult to keep finding them. Or, or going and asking fans to invest in a in, in a in a fund or whatever to to fund these things. So eventually, it is going to have to come from from within, which again makes this uh, the timing of this really really um, intriguing. Something's brewing, that's for sure. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll keep our eye on it. There's there's probably a, a whole different podcast for another day on how we broke this story and the whole uh, the whole mechanics are, are behind it. But we'll uh, we'll maybe save that for a book, as Paddy said right at the start. We live Norwich City. The builder, the passion, the drama, the last minute winners, the debate. That's why we've created Pink and Plus. Plus. The app that takes you beyond the headlines. With exclusive columns, blogs, podcasts and videos, we've got you covered. Subscribe today. Pink and Plus. Stay ahead of the game. Download now on the App Store and on Google Play. If we, if we move into into part two of this pod, then I thought we would reflect a little bit, not massively, because we've done a lot of reflections on, on Stuart Webber's chat, Paddy. But um, we're, we're now, I mean, in many ways, it probably owes us a, a thank you for, for shifting things on a little bit, which I, I think we have done with this story. Not, not that that's um, our job to do, really. But um, how, how would you reflect on it a week later? Do, do you feel like now the dust has settled, now the storm has calmed down a little bit, that... He has managed to draw a line under this this season, and there is now obviously the the preseason friendlies have been announced, which we'll come on to in a minute. But it does feel like now that things have settled a little bit. Obviously, uh, this this story has probably helped them in that regard, as I say. But it does feel like now there's a real willingness from people to to move on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, we'll be getting our invoice in to to uh, to S Weber Enterprises. For uh, taking the taking the focus firmly away from him within 24 hours of that uh, club interview, um, yes, I said at the time. I said when we did our uh, video immediately after it dropped that um, that probably does mark the full stop on last season, and now people can at least look forward because they've heard from a the main figurehead, if we're honest, on last season. We'd like to have heard more, certainly in areas of recruitment. Um, and his own future. I don't think they, that we got the answers most people would have liked to have at least heard from him. Um, so those issues for me weren't dealt with. Um, but in terms of more broadly, yeah, I think he said what he was going to say or, or had to say on the season itself and kind of the limitations really uh, of the of the model. Um, and and really, you need every single card you put on the table to, to be the right card. And, and that was very far from the case. So, um, you know, we kind of heard 
or at least I would have expected probably something along those lines anyway. So I don't think there's anything too revelatory there. But, uh, you know, ultimately, um, going back to the recruitment element, I mean, I've seen it pointed out that well, he's not going to sort of castigate a Jolis, for example, if they're now looking to move him on in the summer because that's probably going to lower his prospective value. So, so maybe there was an element of that. But, uh, you know, just I'd have been just very intrigued to know you know, was there because of the recruitment changes that, that that happened around this last summer around the football club? Did that impact in a negative fashion? You know, would if they had their time again, maybe push the boat out for an Ayer or a Billing or an Adam Armstrong, you know, or was it simply the finances were not available? You know, would they would they have maybe thought when Matthias Norman and Cabat, can we wait as long as they did wait? And that's all, you know, I accept that's that's not to berate anybody. That's all easy to, to put to him with the benefit of hindsight. Um, but ultimately, the recruitment wasn't fit for purpose and it would have been good to have a little drill down into maybe what was the mitigation, which I'm sure there was. There was plenty of, no doubt. Um, over and above, we maybe didn't have the finances to compete with a lot of other clubs, despite them embarking on a record transfer outlay. So, you know, that was a missed opportunity for me. But but more broadly, yeah, I think it, it did nudge the dial with obviously that, that teasing uh, pricey of something big around the corner, which now, you know, increasingly feels like maybe it's investment related. But, you know, ultimately, nagging at the back of your head is, is Stuart Webber still on board? And, and if he's not on board, then what does the next phase look like? And, um, you know, again, if, if we'd have had that clarity uh, from him in that interview, then um, that question wouldn't be persisting, really. You know, is he here just within the parameters of a rolling contract, which is what he was or is supposed to be moving to in, in very short order, you know, which means I, I'm assuming that he could very little notice move on but still if he'd have said no that's me I'm in for this season I'm here I'm staunchly alongside Dean Smith then you know we're good to go but you know could he could he not say that because of this what seemingly is uh, investment talks going on in the background maybe that was the the reasoning why he couldn't go down that path but again all of this is us trying to hypothesise because we wasn't in the room we wasn't allowed the opportunity to put questions to him not just us but any media uh, for that matter, so you know, I don't, I don't think it puts the the the, the tin lid on certain issues. But for me, um, whether he'd done any media or not, I think that the time probably has come now to move move it on to what's next in terms of the football inside of this park. Whatever's happening in terms of investment talks, what does this window look like now that's about to hit in terms of Norwich City reshaping the squad and then really getting the work Dean Smith is desperate. You you sensed towards the end of last season, speaking in, keen to do in terms of embedding style of play, a philosophy, an understanding of what he wants, the demands he's going to place on these players. Let him get all that in place during pre-season and then let's come out of the traps very sharp and on the front foot in the championship and then then the cycle will, will, will turn and it'll be positivity and optimism and hope that, um, yep, this is this is feeling like things are moving in a positive direction now, and uh, and next stop Premier League, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. I I think yeah, you're you're right. Stuart didn't say um, 
outright that I'm here, I'm focused, I'm committed or whatever. But I did think there were little bits throughout the, the interview that he just dropped in that made that heavily implied that. So it would be quite a surprise if he was to to revoke on that. He was speaking obviously about the summer window and and, and there was a bit of forward thinking ahead to to this season as well. But you're right, never never actually came out and said that would have been good to, to get clarity on that for for sure. Um plenty more reaction on on Stuart Weber on our YouTube channel. You can check out a video that, that me and Pat did about uh, a couple of hours after that interview dropped on that. Uh, and there's there's also plenty of of written stuff on the Pink and Plus app as well that you can dive into if you uh, if you want to check that out. But I think we, we've spoken quite a lot about that interview already, so I didn't want to dwell on it too much. Um, and Adam, um, to, to kind of close the pod, really, I thought we'd, we'd talk about, obviously, the pre-season friendly schedule that's that's been announced. Um if people are listening to this on what would it be Wednesday, um, it would have been the day after we were recording this, then essentially it's it's one month until we're off again with, with Norwich City ahead of the next season. They obviously start their campaign uh, on Friday, July the 1st at Oldest Park. The kickoff for that one is at seven o'clock. Uh, I'm absolutely delighted for the for the guys at Deere. I know how excited they are about this and how um, much work is going to go into actually getting it uh, getting it on and, and getting everyone in, in the right place. And I'm sure that... Uh, People will will take up tickets for for that one. Um, after that, uh, the following day, Norwich will uh, then fly out to Germany. They're, they're going to be on the Austrian German border for an eight day training camp. That is going to include an open training session and a pre season fixture um, uh, before obviously they return to the UK and then face Kingsley in town at the Walks on Tuesday, July the twelfth. Kickoff for that is at seven thirty. There's then going to be a friendly. Um, uh, on Saturday, July the 16th. That's going to be announced in due course. Um, before then, we head to the Abbey Stadium for Norwich City against Cambridge on uh, the 19th of July, 7.30 kickoff for that. And obviously the, the Scotland doubleheader that we've that we've spoken about. Um, th- there's been, I've already seen, there's been uh, a little bit, I, I've tried to, uh, to, to not uh, look at social media so much on, on, on a couple of days off, but I, on the couple of glances that I, I have given it, there was a, a little bit of a, a suggestion that maybe this was a, a relatively comfortable pre-season for, for Norwich City. But is there an argument that after the season and, and the, the the fragility of the confidence and how quickly maybe the, the mentality was questioned, a few wins on the board probably isn't actually a bad thing as we build up to the championship season? No, I'd probably agree. I think it's an opportunity to just rebuild the confidence of togetherness within the squad. Obviously, ultimately pre-season, the major factor in it is building the fitness ahead of a, a pretty grueling championship season. Obviously, with the fact we've got the World Cup break in November, it's going to be busier than ever the Monday, uh, the Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday schedule. So to me, it's just an opportunity to, especially if you're going to get some new players in, get them gelled in. An opportunity for Dean Smith effectively to to put his mark on the squad and his identity ahead of the season. I think we haven't really properly seen that. We've covered that over sort of the past podcast that, you know, maybe we haven't seen a Dean Smith identity in a Dean Smith squad yet. Obviously he's going to have opportunities to add to his team. And to me, it's an opportunity, especially the fact they're all local, fairly local games, obviously with the aside from the Scotland and the Germany trips, it's an opportunity for fans that, to go and get down to, to Durham and Kings Lynn to, to watch these players up close and, and kind of build the excitement ahead of next season, which I think will make well kick in quite quickly. You know, this season's quickly going to be forgotten about because it's not one that anyone's going to remember and and tell their grandkids in in years to come. So, yeah, this just feels like a, a good opportunity to to get the fans on side early early doors. And obviously, they have got the exciting tr- weekend in Scotland and and the Germany trip as well for anyone that wants to go a little bit further afield to to watch Norwich. Yes, absolutely. Pat, looking forward to pre season as we uh, as we close the pod. 
King's Lynn's always a good one. Yeah, that's where I cut my teeth back in the day. So I see some old faces at the walks. So yeah, that's a, that's a nice one. You won't get a prettier press box view than the, the backdrop of the the, the walks there. So uh, um, Scotland could be quite good. Funny enough, I show him how long I've been doing this job now. But myself and David Coffley, formerly of the parish, uh, when it, Chris Hewton took a Norwich team to Celtic Park, and uh, even though it's pre-season, clearly um, you just you looked, you walked up the steps, looked in that stadium for the first time, and you just thought, "Wow, what what this place would be like on an old firm day?" You know, jumping. So uh, I'm quite looking forward to going back to Celtic Park, really. Um, so they're the two standouts for me, mate. Yourself? Yeah, sorry, I was I was googling the last time Norwich played Celtic, uh, and that game I'm talking about that was a one nil Norwich win, wasn't it? Grant Holt. Yeah, 2013 off the top of my head. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I don't know. You'll have to confirm that to me. But, uh, I'm, I'm I'm reading the opening paragraph, which is Captain Grant Holt's strike. Uh, a minute from time, still Norris is his first pre-season win under manager Chris Hewton as they beat Scottish champion Celtic 1-0 at Parkhead. So I'm guessing that's that's the game you're, you're, you're referencing there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, look, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to, to Deerham. Obviously, I'm, I'm on the committee there. So um, that's that's uh, probably, you'll probably catch me in a half and half scarf that day. Probably not. Um Cambridge as well. I was. I uh, don't like to mention it much. I was very. I was very briefly on the books of Cambridge United as a as a young footballer. So so that's always good to to go there. It's a shame we don't have the Wes Houlihan element, isn't it? Um, and then yeah, likewise the Scotland trip. I'm I'm really looking forward to. I think um, anyone who who likes football um, sort of aspires to get up to to if not both, certainly one of the old firm grounds. Um, and uh, yeah, that's going to be really good. Albeit we're not going to see it in its in its kind of full, as as you mentioned, full atmospheric um, uh, self, I suppose, uh, like you would get on a on a Champions League night or against Rangers, for example. So that'll be good. I think Hibs will be good as well. Looking forward to getting up to Scotland. Um, I haven't actually been up there before, and, and everyone says it's a really nice part of the world. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be nice as well. Thank you very much for listening. I think we're we're going to wrap it up for there. I don't know. If- if we'll, if we'll have one of these next week, might depend on how my voice is, in all honesty. Um, but I got through it, luckily, uh, and so did you, boys. So thank you very much for joining me. Thank you all very much for listening. Of course, more on the investors' story or on transfer-related stories or any stories across the summer. The Pinkham channels are the best place to go. You can uh, you can get a subscription to the Pinkham Plus app as well if you're yet to do so. That is where a lot of our stories and, and backgrounders on these Americans are um, are available for you to consume. So that's uh, that's well worth doing to fill the, the month that we've got of, uh, of Norwich City in action, I suppose. And then we'll be back at it at Aldous Park in a month's time. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again very soon. <laughs>